Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnank. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. The Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President. Jonathan Kraft, Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soschnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we sit down with NASCAR President Steve Phelps ahead of the 62nd running of the Daytona 500. That's straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's look at some of the top stories of the week, beginning with a somewhat bizarre news conference from the Houston Astros. The Major League Baseball club has been under a cloud of scrutiny since word of their cheating scandal broke last year. Now sluggers Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve spoke out at a gathering of the press, and here's what Bregman had to say. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. Wow. He just came out flat out. There was no trying to sugarcoat it. That was it. By the way, that was essentially his entire comment. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to go the other way. Yeah, I, Jim Crane, the owner who sets the tone for the organization, you talk about culture. He he said, I, I actually, hold on here, Evan. I, 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 I took some notes also. I, yeah, I, I, I took a photo of like the screenshot because I couldn't believe it. Ready? Jim Crane, our opinion is this didn't, didn't, D-I-D and apostrophe T, did not impact the game we had a good team we won the world series and we'll leave it at that like i said they didn't sugarcoat it (laughs) what (laughs) yeah what do you mean they didn't sugarcoat Uh, it that's sarcasm it was it's it's this is how do you call a press conference and say that this was about as tone deaf a a sports press conference as i can remember in a long time both alex bregman and and jose altuve the two stars of the team who were you know there on the team when, when all this happened you know, apologize, maybe kind of apologize kind of for, for vaguely for, doing something but wrong, but they were but both gave they're no all ready specifics. to move forward. They're ready. Everybody's looking Jim forward. Crane was happy to put this in the rearview mirror, which yeah. also is tone deaf because this is very much not in the rearview mirror. Um, I did appreciate one of the journalists kind of repeatedly asking him, is this cheating? Did, did the Astros cheat? And he would they not say w- they yes. They would not use the word what cheating. What he would say is, we, we broke the rules. I'll let you interpret what that means. So he won't even use the word. They don't seem to be taking accountability for it. There's still confusion about whether buzzers were... It's it's unclear exactly what this program looked like and who was the architect of it. Um, But one other question that I'd like to pose to you guys. The Astros and Major League Baseball have been very clear. Players are not going to be punished for this, despite the fact that the the Major League Baseball report and the Astros, to a degree, seem to be hanging this on the players in some way. Completely player-driven, yeah. 
where is the union on this? Do do we think that I mean, obviously players on other teams are angry that this happened. Should we be seeing some retribution for for players involved here? Well, keep in mind that the union is going to represent the players. It doesn't make a difference which side. So I, I don't think the union is going to have much to say about it. They're just looking to protect the players. But you got to remember, they represent all the players, not just the Houston Astros. Let's move on and talk about Colin Kaepernick. We have word the former 49ers quarterback is preparing a tell-all memoir. Haven't I heard it all? <laughs> oh, I, I bet I, you I'm there's not, more I'm not to sure. tell. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to wager because, you know, I live in New Jersey and Ken. I'm going to wager <laughs> that nothing astonishingly new comes out in this memoir. I, I mean, a lot of the the fact that he settled his lawsuit with the NFL, um, I, I think a lot of people felt like maybe he has a lot of evidence, really interesting stuff, juicy stuff, didn't come out then either. I think that, you know, broadly, this is probably not going to help his argument in the eyes of people that already want to see him as someone who took this stance because he thought his football career was over and thought he could make more money, you know, doing the, the, the politics side of things. Um, I'm interested. I'm going to read it for sure. You know, I, I think Colin I'm Kaepernick gonna is... I'm going to let Evan read it and tell me what happened. He's one of the more interesting career arc athletes that we've seen in the past, you know, couple decades, in my opinion. Um, but again, I think that the people who have made up their decision on Colin Kaepernick, this is not going to change their mind either way. And people are either going to see it as... You know, further evidence of, of of what they want to see in him. Either way. Finally, on a lighter note, I love this. I <laughs> love this. Target is apologizing this week for a big mistake in the baby wear department, and it has to do with the University of Minnesota's mascot. Well, when we say big mistake, uh, how big a mistake? Is it? A I mean, big old mistake. The Minnesota Badgers is a big mistake. Come on, you're talking about two. Well, we got to explain it. It's the two uh, Big Ten schools. Yes, and, 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 and there's a rivalry. The, well, the worst there. part is Target is based in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's, yes, Target is, is, a, is, a, Minnesota this is a Minnesota company. <laughs> this is why it's <laughs> a bad mistake. I, go ahead and explain it. I'm sorry. Well, go they ahead. put out a sweatshirt that said Minnesota Badgers. And we all know that it's the Wisconsin Badgers, one of the biggest rivals of. The Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yeah, this yes. is like Walmart selling Arkansas Crimson Tide, right? Or like Nike selling University of Oregon ba uh, Beavers. Like the, this is about <laughs> as bad a mistake as you can make if you are a Minnesota-based company. Well, I mean, that's like, you know, as a Detroiter, it's like, here's the Detroit Lions and I put a tiger on it. No, this would be Michigan Spartans. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I can yes. do that. Yeah. It's, you know, the, How many more times? Do we, can we can do this a few more times? Yeah, the University of Michigan. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. By the way, the Target. The Tar Heels. Let's do it. <laughs> Target put out a uh, apology. They took the onesies back. I want and one. And they said, color me red. I want one. Let's get Scott to squeeze into one of these onesies. Now let's get to this week's interview with the president of NASCAR, Steve Phelps. He's been with NASCAR for nearly 15 years, and he's here ahead of the 60-second running of the Daytona 500. Steve Phelps, thanks for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. Hey, it's great to be back with you guys. Well, let's talk about this. First of all, we're talking about the 500 that's coming up this Sunday. Ricky Stenhouse is on the pole. Chase Elliott will be on the outside of the front row. Uh, first of all, your thoughts about where we are with Daytona, because it is your Super Bowl for NASCAR. Yeah, we're uh, we're really excited. Um, we had a great um, kind of an exhibition race 
the Bush Clash uh, brought back a kind of a historic name to that particular race. Hey, Steve, I'm going to jump uh, in because I was just joking with Barr, and he's our NASCAR guy, as you know. But I am the only I am the only person who came armed with ratings for the Bush Clash. Plus eleven. Two point four, whatever plus million viewers, up seven percent from 2019. Uh, The largest largest Bush Clash audience on FS1 since 2014. How about that? Yeah, listen, we we've got a we had a great 2019. Uh, We had our ratings up in 2019, and attendance you know bounced back nicely. You know at, at our facilities, and so there's a real buzz in the air. And listen, it's always nice to. You know, hit it out of the park. You know, early from a ratings perspective, and it's hard to have ratings that are increasing, right? Most all sports down last year was down seven percent. There are just fewer people watching television. That's just a that's a fact. And so, if you're going to grow like we did last year, you have to steal share from someone else, which is what we did. And so, and I'm excited about what 2020 looks like for us. You know, one race doesn't, you know, make a season for sure, but uh, it's nice to get off on the positive side for sure. How do you account for that? How, you know, why, why were really, more people coming to you? What were they abandoning yeah, and how'd they find you? Yeah, I think here's the, I think it's as simple as this. Our, our racing was better last year than it's been in a long time. Um, and that's, a, that's kind of the promise that we have to our fans, that we are going to put on great racing. And so in the in the racetracks that, you know, not to get into too many technical details, but the racetracks where we didn't have racing as good were on our short tracks and our, our two road courses. And so we've made some changes to the aero package um, that will be racing at those short tracks and at our road courses. So it affects 14 different races. And that's a big deal for us. So we had 36 points paying races, and 14 of them didn't meet our expectations, so we made a change. So I believe, and it's going to sound like hyperbole, but I actually believe it to be true, that we're going to have the best racing in 2020 that this sport has ever seen. And when we do that, um, the eyeballs come, right? And people, you know, folks that have said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm over NASCAR, they're coming back. And the ones that we kept, um, they're excited about it, and then we're getting a whole host of new fans that are coming, um, that are that are younger and more diverse. So it uh, feels good, and that's why there's a lot of excitement around it, and uh, um, and, and that's why I think uh, you know our engagement numbers, both television, digital, and social, are going to continue to climb. So, Michael, you're a big NASCAR fan. Did what Steve just said? Does that resonate? Do you see a difference in in kind of the way? The races are playing out. Is the racing better, that, in your opinion, than, than it has been in, in years past? Well, I've always enjoyed the racing, and 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 what Steve said is true. Uh, it, what you see in what happened in the Bush Clash, of course, you see some blocking that goes on. That blocking has been going on for years, and unfortunately, uh, there have been some wrecks, but... I do see the. But you say unfortunately there have been some wrecks, Steve. From a NASCAR perspective, is that unfortunately there have been some wrecks, or is there that no. the hockey players want to see the fights that people <laughs> tune in to see the wrecks? Yeah, so I think it's interesting. And I was talking to one of our drivers this morning over at Media Day, and um, he was saying it was Kyle Larson, and he was one of the survivors of of the bush glass for that last restart where we had you know frankly six cars that were going for the win all the rest of them had crashed out and he said it was so much fun it was so much fun to drive and he's like you know casual fans like rex but but avid fans like rex too and this is a unique style of racing over here at daytona that you know it, you know we have it daytona we have it at talladega we don't have it anywhere else so it's just a very different 
style of racing and it's always excited at the Daytona 500 you know it's it, it is our biggest race it is our Super Bowl um but you know for us to um you know to come out of the gates quickly with great racing is is such an important thing for us and I think that's what the fans are going to get to see when we leave Daytona and we go to Vegas and then we go to um Auto Club and and we go to Phoenix we're going to see a different style of racing and the intermediate tracks last year. So 1.5 miles and higher. Um, the racing last year was as good as it's ever been. And so we're going to combine all that great racing at that mile and a half tracks and larger with all the, um, the tracks a mile and shorter and, um, it plus the two road courses. And, and that's why I'm so excited about this season. And that's why I'm so bullish on kind of the, the metrics that are come uh, that are coming, so it all stems from interest level in NASCAR, which is up. And you know, if your interest level is going to be up, then you're you're going to drive you know metrics that are that are going to look positive. See, we're talking to NASCAR president Steve Phelps, and listen, I, I'm excited about every season. So I, I'm an old school NASCAR fan. I go, you have a Mark many, Martin jacket. I, I'm, but that's modern <laughs> compared to some of the other stuff. I'm talking like Richard Petty and Buddy Baker. And, Is there a Jaeger in there somewhere? Yeah, Is there yeah, a Jaeger? Yeah, well, there no, Steve Jaeger. No, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if there but, was a Jaeger. No, but it, it's it, the old school fans like moi. Uh, we like to see uh the racing we we like to see uh the tight packed racing uh but uh, things have changed from what it used to be uh and people say some of the old schoolers say that uh, once you pass daytona the real season begins sure is that a true statement i think it's a true statement if you're if you're looking at you know kind of how you're going to judge the balance of your season. That's why I think it was so important to get the rest of the racing correct, right? And so we work really hard working with our teams and our auto manufacturers to make sure those intermediate tracks and now the short tracks again on the road courses that we have the best product we can. Listen, Daytona and Talladega are two different animals from everything else. You're going to have really fun pack style racing. What we've been able to see in the intermediate tracks last year was – cars on you know lap one lap two on restarts you're four and five wide i mean it's insane um and that's what our fans want to see whether you're a longtime fan or you're a new fan you want to see close competitive side-by-side racing and passing throughout the field and passes for the lead and that's what we had last year so you know not to throw out the stats but i'll, but I'll go ahead and do it last year we had a 47 percent increase in pass green flag passes for the lead we had a 27% increase in green flag passes throughout the field. And that's with those 14 races that I talked about, the short track races and then and the road course races, frankly, not being enough to snuff. So we combine the, those stats with what we're going to have at the short tracks and the road courses. It, it is a, again, no hyperbole at all. I think it's going to be the best season we've had from a racing standpoint ever. And I want to explain to the fans before we continue on, because you mentioned, of course, Daytona, which is coming up Sunday, and Talladega. Daytona is a 2.5-mile high-bank racetrack. It has a tri-oval. The the banking is steep. Uh, The backstretch is long, and and it's exciting racing. And if you think that's exciting, then you go to Talladega, which is a 2.66-mile racetrack. Again, high banks, exciting racing, and, and that's what the fans talk about. Absolutely. And it's, you know, listen, it's, it's fun. And, and, 
you know, getting out of the gate quickly with, you know, our biggest race, I mean, it's going to be, a, you know, we're going to have tens of millions of people that are watching. And, you know, that's, then they tune in because it's the Daytona 500, so it's a, a spectacle. Um, and it's an iconic, a iconic race for us. But the racing is just fun, right? I mean, you, you're two, three wide for, you know, lap after lap after lap, and you're in the edge of the seat waiting for the big one to happen. And bar, bar is two, three wide. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still waiting for the big one to happen. <laughs> Steve, we, we talked on the podcast yesterday about, it seems like there are a lot of sports leagues, and you guys obviously are no exception, are, are making a lot of innovative changes right now. Major League Baseball sure. is thinking about changing its postseason structure. The NBA may add a postseason in, in the middle of the season. The NFL is thinking about flexing Sunday night games to Monday, etc. Um, heard a lot of you know a lot of smoke out there about potential NASCAR race uh, race around an NFL stadium. Can you talk us through that and, and maybe other possible things that you guys are thinking about just from an innovation yeah, standpoint? Yeah, give me the creativity. About, I like about that. changing up the way you know the NASCAR <laughs> circuit works. Yeah, and I think you know for us it goes back to what we just talked about of, of making sure that the we're serving the fan base the way they want to be served. And so our fan base has said, hey, give us more road racing, right? And give us more short tracks. And for us, as we look at our 2021 schedule, so we made a number of changes to the 2020 schedule, including a new championship race, not in Miami, it's in Phoenix. Cutoff races for the three spots. So we have um, elimination races, if you will. So 16 drivers make our playoffs and then after three races you cut to 12 after three more races you cut to eight and then after three more races your championship four races for your championship for us we've made changes to each of those so our first cutoff race is in bristol um you know a little more than a half mile track with 33 degree banking uh, it is a insane race right and so for us to have a cutoff race at bristol then another cutoff race at, at charlotte with our roval which is kind of a hybrid between a road course and, a, and an oval. And then Martinsville, our shortest track, um, for our last cutoff race, and then a new championship race at Phoenix. So really excited about it, um, about where we, what the 2020 schedule is going to look like. And then in the future, it's really about, to your point, it's about innovation. So we'll have a next-gen car, so brand-new race car that we'll bring to the racetrack in 2021 mm. um, that will have more body styling that, and components and pieces that, frankly, you know, not to have a marketing buzzword out there, it's going to put the stock back in, in stock car. Um, it's going to put the stock back in NASCAR. And that's an important thing for us, um, not just from a, a auto manufacturer relevance standpoint, because that's what the fans want to see. They want to see cars that look like showroom cars that are just, you know, kind of souped up and look really cool. Um, and the components being components that they can buy off the, you know, off the rack themselves. Um, so it's going to be a different deal for us, um, and we're excited about that. And then opportunities to, from a schedule standpoint, to make changes. And that is something that the fans want to see. So what that looks like, you know, we, we're not ready to announce, and we're still working through some things with all of our stakeholders and making sure our fans, again, are being served as best they can by making changes to our schedule. The idea of a race around an NFL stadium feels like the kind of thing that is like video gamey. 
that like you can just like set up a track that goes around you know MetLife Stadium in New York. That, but that Evan, as you like know, a- my my son doesn't watch NFL football. He's ten years old. He does not watch NFL football, but he knows every darn player because he plays Madden. Of course. What's the equivalent of NASCAR? How do you get the kids if they're if the fathers don't take him to the race, sure. the mothers don't take him to the race? Is sure. there a vehicle, no pun intended, for the yep. kids to fall in love with the sport outside of actually being at the track? Yeah, no question. Yeah, it's important for us. So we need to serve the fans wherever they are. And so if they're young fans that are into video games, then you know we have a video game platform that we have. So, um, And then we have an eSports league. Um, we, In fact, we were the first, really the first eSports league that was out there, and it's called iRacing. And iRacing is simulated racing. It is a massive community of folks that love to do simulator racing. Um, and relatively relatively inexpensive way for folks to literally to get on and, and race the circuits that we're racing here at NASCAR. Um, and that league is doing incredibly well. And NBC has been a big supporter of that. And then you've got a platform game um, with our Heat, um, um, Heat Pro League and that eSports league. So it really is about having young people or those that are interested in video games making sure that you know they can get their NASCAR fix in the way that they want it. And we need to do that, as we need to do, frankly, with sports betting. And so we made a big bet to make sure that we have the right partnerships there with, with Genius Sports and just announced a deal with Penn Gaming. We want our fans to be able that they want to bet on our, our races. They can bet on our races. Uh-oh, Barstool and, Sports and NASCAR. I heard Penn Gaming. Bar, yeah. Barstool Sports and NASCAR. I was and about they, to yeah. ask you, Steve, about, about that, that Penn deal. Is that sure. – I assume you guys were talking to Penn before Barstool yeah. came along. How do you yeah. kind of think about the partnership now that you know Barstool is such a big part sure. of, of Penn Gaming's you know, sports gambling future? Yeah, so for us, you know, we, we for the first time last year – we actually had our own relationship with Barstool. And, you know, that was a conscious decision by our marketing group to say, you know what, we need to get to a younger audience, a younger male demo, and Barstool serves that demo. And what did you so, learn from that partnership? Yeah, well, the thing we learned is Dave Portnoy and his, and his folks, they love NASCAR. They are, a, uh, they are authentic lovers of NASCAR. And that's important for us. I mean, listen, you can pay for play. Um, but if it's not authentic, it doesn't work. And so Dave, I mean, he loves it. And you can feel the Barstool folks and the excitement they have. So for us to bridge our – we had a relationship with Penn Gaming around a, a one of our – we have a casino at one of our tracks around Kansas. So we already had a relationship with Penn Gaming. We expanded that relationship. Then the Barstool relationship between the two of them. So it's just a great you know kind of three-way partnership. And – and it goes back to you have to serve the fans where they want to be. So if you're a kid and the only thing you want to do or a teenager and the only thing you want to do is video games, we need to serve that. If you are, you know, your love is Barstool Sports 24-7, then we, we, are, we have a relationship with them where they're talking in an authentic way about NASCAR. Um, if you're about gaming, you know, and sports betting, we serve that audience. If you're about you know, an OTT platform and our relationship with NBC and TrackPass to serve grassroots racing and different style of racing outside of our kind of core three national series. Um, we have that as well. So it's serving a lot of different um, folks, which you need to do, right? You have to create a one-to-one relationship with your fan base. 
and that's what and that's what we're um, endeavoring to do at, at all levels. And, and you have to. That's what sports leagues have to do if they're going to grow. We are chatting with Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR, and it seems to me like the only natural growth outgrowth out of this relationship with Barstool is going to be NASCAR pizza. Yeah, yeah, and we don't. But um, yeah, I'm sure Dave will figure that out and have a nice review of pizza yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And, 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 and two thumbs up. But but seriously though, uh, NASCAR has been looking to sell a limited stakes in the league for a while now. Can you tell us what's the activity around the possible uh, the possibility of adding a uh, a strategic partner? Yeah, so we're we're actually not going to do that. So we and in October we we. Um, NASCAR merged or with its with sister company, yeah, ISC. Yeah, yeah. So well, most around the time thought that would make it easier to bring on a partner, but you chose. Yeah, and not I think to. that's not that's not where you know Jim Jim France and, and Lisa France Kennedy who who own NASCAR they're not interested in doing that at all. So we are we're we're going at this um, on our own, and they've doubled down on the sport, and you know we took out a significant or, or they did a significant amount of uh, you know. Uh, loan, you know, in the billion and a half range um, to take ISC private, and we did that for all the right reasons. But their confidence in where the sport is going is really what fueled that. And so can you, now, can we'll you give us some of those reasons when you say all the right reasons? Yeah, no, just, what, what, are all, are. what are all the right reasons? Yeah, I'll tell you what they are. Thank you for that. Um, take something as simple as the schedule, right? If you're a if you're a public company, and you know you're going to make decisions that are that are in the best interest of your of your shareholders on a quarterly basis right that's what your responsibility is our responsibility is to grow the sport so if we believe taking a date from an existing track that we own is the best way to do that to serve the interests of the sport we're going to do that i'm not suggesting you know we're going to make wholesale changes to where we are racing but where it makes sense to, you know, go to a road course, go to a short track, or whatever that might be, that's an important element for us to do. The other thing really has to, the other component to that really is about the effectiveness of these two companies to come together. Not efficient, so are there, will there be efficiencies that would be realized with two companies come together with redundancies? Of course there will be. But it really is more about what's the, the best way to be effective in trying to reach the fan base. Uh, so, hey, Steve, Steve, the next, will, the next question sponsored by McKinsey and Company. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, listen, we, we, we actually had a relationship with McKinsey. I don't and, doubt it. Yep, and they came in and helped us, you know, get us on the right footing. But this is our, our decision from here on out, right? So McKinsey came in early and, and helped us with some pitfalls to avoid the certain pitfalls, but... Um, now it's about us. This is our plan, our vision for where the sport is going to go, and these two companies coming together. And it's uh, just seeing the early fruits of the labor of the of the companies coming together is is really exciting. And you know we're going to centralize a lot of the functions, and we'll have expertise in the areas of marketing and, and communication and um, admissions and ticketing, how we use data. Um, it's all a you know kind of an a, canvas that you know we're creating together as one entity and it's um it's it's going to work and i think it's going to work brilliantly steve i'm going to help you pitch tickets next year's 500 is february 14th valentine's day that's right 
So I know where we're going, yeah, Bar. I know where we're going. The, the Sizzler. Well, I'm taking you to the what Sizzler. What better way to, to spend Valentine's Day, right? I My, agree. Michael Barr on Pit Row. Man, oh, oh man. man. Linda, Linda's going to be a happy gal. She'll love it. I'm <laughs> telling you. But you know what's important? Even more than that is that the 500 is one week after the Super Bowl, which is February yep. 7th. Now, uh, there have been questions about, well, if you, if you keep the same schedule you have now, because we ran the Clash uh, Sunday qualifying yep. was before that and then there were questions of well should there we should we move the race uh I'm sorry the uh, qualifying and the clash to sure. maybe a Saturday or whatever and I'm thinking why do that because if as a sports junkie I've yep. got NASCAR qualifying and then I've got the Bush clash and then I've got the Super Bowl after that you, you won't get me off the couch after that oh yeah like that's a lot different than now well I'm saying <laughs> yeah I think listen um, obviously we don't we we don't want to go against the Super Bowl right that would make any sense so <laughs> we have nothing announced today but obviously as we're revamping our 2021 schedule you know we'll have some announcements in the near future that would talk to what happens with qualifying, talk to what happens with the clash and, you know, kind of the reinvention of speed weeks down here in Daytona. So uh, again, nothing to announce here, you know, that obviously has come up and those that are paying attention like you, Michael, that, you know, it's a, something's going to need to be tweaked for sure. Um, but we're excited about it. It's a, it's a neat opportunity and having, you know, kind of closing the window from the Super Bowl to have it be one week. I think it'd be exciting. You know, we don't have to, you have to wait two weeks for the next big sporting event. So it really is Super Bowl to our Super Bowl the week later. So we're, we're excited about it. There's a meme that's going out right now that uh, my son tweeted it to me and has got the late, great Dale Earnhardt and has got on top Super Bowl. And he has, son, all that means it's two weeks before the Daytona 500. Man, I love that. A NASCAR joke yeah, on Twitter. That's, I, like it. I loved it. That's, that's what NASCAR is all about. I hear, hey, uh, Steve, is the president coming to the Daytona 500? Um, you know what? I, I, I don't know. Um, certainly, you know, obviously we would um, welcome any sitting president to be here. Um, certainly, it's a big event. You know, I went to the um, national championship game, and um, so we would love to have any sitting president come to the Daytona 500. Although, you know, but those preparations would already be underway. The Secret Service would have contacted you guys. Is the possibility that the president's going to be there. Is that is that in play? I, I, it's, always a, it's always a possibility. <laughs> Steve, last question for you. I had a chance to meet Haley Deegan at, a, at an event a couple months ago. Um, and for someone I, I don't follow, forgive me, I don't follow NASCAR all that closely, yep. has the legacy of, of Danica Patrick breaking through, are, are there a lot of young female drivers in the pipeline? And what has that meant for fan base? Are you seeing more women interacting with NASCAR than they were just because they're seeing – successful drivers that, that, that are like them? Yeah, I think it's important for us to do that, you know, whether you're, you know, to increase the kind of the look and feel of the fan base. People want to root for people who are like themselves. So if you are, you know, you know, Danny Suarez is, is from Mexico and, you know, races in our top series and has done a phenomenal job over the last two years in our top series, or Bubba Wallace, who's African-American, um, or Haley Deegan. And, you know, being a um, you know, we've had some trailblazers for sure that are females that have raced in NASCAR. Um, Danica was very successful. I think people underestimate the, you know, kind of the success she had. She didn't win. Um, but, you know, she had certainly had, had significant success at 
what is the most competitive motorsports out there. So, um, you know, Haley's, uh, Haley's special. Um, you know, her mom and dad are, um, you know, great supporters of the sport, obviously great supporters of her, hers. I think she's, they're taking a very, um, smart, Hey, let's be patient about, you know, where we're putting her. And so she was in, um, there was an ARCA race, um, this past weekend and she finished second here in Daytona and it's, um, she's developing, you know, she's great. I mean, you had an opportunity to, to have discussions with her. She's, she's a great interview. She's got tremendous energy. Um, she's going to be a real asset to the sport moving forward. And she's just a, you know, she's a great kid and, you know, we're excited to, you know, continue to watch her progress until she gets up to the, uh, you know, the NASCAR cup series, which she, we firmly believe she will be, she will be a participant in the next, uh, in the next couple of years. NASCAR president, Steve Phillips always wanted to do this Sunday, Sunday, the 62nd running of the Daytona 500, the great American race, Ricky Stenhouse on the pole, Steve Phillips, you know what I'm going to be watching on Sunday. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Michael. It was, uh, and I, you can't, Michael can't get a better promo than that. <laughs> the whole, you had the whole voice and the whole deal. I have a cold, so I sound like I sound like crap. But um, <laughs> I appreciate you doing that for me. As his agent, feel free to use it without having to pay a royalty. Yeah, it's fine. I, That's free to use. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, see, I'll thanks again. So. That's right. You know what I'm going to be watching on Sunday, and uh, first, I've first got, the cartoons. First the cartoons. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wacky races yeah, will be on first. Uh, it, you know, it, it is exciting. Uh, it's the 62nd running uh, of the 500 for old school fans. The, everybody knows that Lee Petty won the first one. Everybody knows. Everybody knows everybody for knows. old school everybody fans. Everybody knows Lee Petty won the first yes, right. And, and uh, by the way, I, and I didn't get a chance to do this, um, the second winner of the Daytona 500, uh, and this is a, a After Lee Petty, you mean? After Lee Petty. Yes. Uh, and uh, God rest his soul, uh, Junior Johnson, and he passed uh, only a few months ago. He won the second one, and it goes on. Uh, the history of the 500, people know. Uh, every, And we're going to find out now who's going to make history on Sunday. Uh, and I'm just excited to watch it. I'm, pl- I'm pleasantly surprised to hear about the innovation, the try new things, the listen, how do we get, the video games, the... Uh, you have to do something. And... I think NASCAR gets a bad rap in that sometimes it gets compared to, well, it's not the NFL. It's not the. That's okay. Not everything is going to be the NFL. And that happens with all sports leagues. But it was problematic when whatever was being done in the sport bar, and you would know better than I was, but remember when he said, like, our hardcore fans left us and some are coming back? Yeah. What, what he was getting at, and I liked what he said about the cars, is that because we were feeling like everything, they were spec cars. You yeah. know, where they didn't make a difference, whether it was a Ford or a Dodge or, or a Chevy, whatever, everything looked the same. Yeah. But back in the day, you knew what the Torino looked like, you knew what the Dodge Charger looked like, uh, and, and uh, NASCAR got away from that. So I'm glad to hear him say they're getting back. Well, I, I would like to see all the drivers driving my Ford Escape. Around for five, I'm, you know, I'd like to see them try and make it around the oval in that. I mean, not to go against Ford, but I will just say it is not the um, the beast of an engine of some of the other cars they make. That, that's what I'll, I'll leave it as. Yeah, my takeaway, you know, like a lot of other leagues, NASCAR seems to be listening to its fans, right? And and if the fans want uh, some kind of more variety in the car, it certainly seems like this next gen car that's coming out next year might do that. It might entice more manufacturers to come back to the sport, which I imagine is would be music uh, to Steve's ears. Uh, so yeah, but. 
between, you know, fans want more road races. Okay, let's get innovative and, and think about what road races we can maybe add on the 2021 20, calendar. Can we have a Team Tesla? Can we have a Team Tesla? <laughs> that, can we get that done? Well, we do have electric racing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, gonna be you, a little, you yeah, I need Tesla to make I a like car. To see that. It yeah. seems as though NASCAR, like all these other leagues now, is, is opening the book on innovation a little bit more just because media wants it and fans want it. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week, and everybody at home can play along. I'm going to use... Probably the man who, uh, actually I'm going to do a duel. This is going to be a duel one. Numbers of the week. Numbers of the week. Richard Petty. Oh boy. Okay. Good. Richard Petty. Sounds Richard. like a theme here. He has won the most races in NASCAR ever. Yeah. Now, for people at home, first of all, give me the number of Daytona 500 wins, and then give me the number of races that he has won. So you, you weren't content with just asking for the Daytona wins. You now, had to, I, uh, I, there's – both are – I'm not even sure if I can throw, get within an order I will magnitude. say Richard Petty yeah, won – I've got guesses. <laughs> I will say he won four Daytonas. Oh, you idiot. He won eight Daytonas. <laughs> oh, you guys are oh, – you, right? you were too low Six. and you were too high. Six. He won seven Daytona oh, 500. So you're closer. Okay. But yeah, over. But so I went over. So you, you win the So if you uh, won seven showcase. Daytonas – all right, so he's the Chicago Bulls. Right. And I'll give you the year. He won in 64, you 66. You don't want to – you don't want no, to – I, I don't need the li- – Okay, list. I won't he give you the seven. That's He won seven. And then overall, you won how many races? And how many races overall? God almighty, I have no idea. Are you doing the Google there? No, I'm not. My guess would be – that he won it's a nice 70. round number. Oh, I was gonna 70. Go, I was going to oh, go lower. You are low. 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 I was going to go higher, higher. of course. Okay. Yeah, higher. Of course. 200. You uh, just hit it. Whoa. You're not kidding. That's it. No, it was, I was it's kidding. 200. I was kidding. Well, he won 200 races. <laughs> Sorry, Evan, you're, you're not participating anymore. <laughs> I was going to say 201. 200. So. He's won 200 races. He must have been cheating. He, oh, my. <laughs> I'm, that's right. Blasphemy. You heard it here. Man. Richard Petty was a cheater. Yeah, you <laughs> You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week for you at the same time, I hope. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and of course, you can hear us here on the radio. I'm Michael Barr at Big Bar Sports on Twitter. I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams Join us next week. Our guest, Bob Arum, legendary boxing Ooh. promoter. He's got a big heavyweight fight coming up uh, at the end of the week, so we'll be talking to him about uh, that fight and, and all things boxing. Who's fighting? Uh, it is Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, number Ooh, two. Ooh, that's going to be good. For, who a, won the first a rematch one? of what they, they drew it, I believe. It was one, oh. of the, one of the wildest fights that I've seen. Um, I'm not a big boxing guy, but it was, it was pretty wild, so we'll talk about that. I can't believe you hit that. Just 200. I'm pretty good. (laughs) You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports, and you can catch the show wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.